What's up, everybody? This is the betrayed, the addicted, and the expert. My name is Brandon, and I am the expert. And I'm Ashlyn, and I was the betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the recovering addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. Okay, guys, we are talking about God today. Uh, pretty big topic, important topic in recovery. And uh, I just want a disclaimer before we get going. Um, I'm not a pastor. Are you a pastor? Definitely not. Uh, I'm not a preacher. I, uh, not that either. Yeah, not a missionary. Ashlyn, are you not? No, and, and we're not spreading the message to join a church here or anything like that. But I, I feel like in some ways I am a preacher in terms of being a therapist because um, I have such a strong belief that God is central to recovery. And... And it's really hard to get recovery uh, without a higher power involved. Mm -hmm. And so we're not saying a specific God is is essential to your recovery, but uh, I am saying that God is essential to your recovery, whatever God means to you. So we want to break that down and and talk about like how that plays into recovery, both with, with betrayal and with addiction and, um, and, and break that down a little bit. So, uh, Kobe and I, we were just talking, and Kobe was saying, I, you know, I'm really just coming to terms with this relationship with God and how that, how that supports you in your recovery. And uh, I was just wondering if you wanted to say more about that and talk about that. So I have only in the last six weeks, and this is going to be like the hopeless statement of like the podcast thus far, but I've only in the last six weeks um, really come to internally believe what um, my my self worth is as it relates to um, God is concerned. Like I've only really kind of um, not not fully, but I've only come to really believe in my potential, in my um, in my worth, and in in my role as son of God in the last six weeks. Like I've really owned that internally. Like in, so, and and I started recovery like literally three years ago, Brandon. Right. And so my my point with it is, is that's not to say that I didn't have moments along the way where I felt um, sustained or supported or I felt forgiven or I felt God helping me to forgive myself or to let go of shame because there were many experiences like that. And even in addiction, when I was in addiction, I still had had some really um, key experiences that gave me hope. Right. In as much as I was still battling shame, but I, I think this is this is a really challenging topic, and it was for me because my relationship with God is very very different than what it was while I was in addiction, and and really which was all my life. Right. Um, so, it's what's interesting about your relationship with God. What changed? Me. What, I changed. Yeah. So did God all of a sudden show up and be like, "Hey, I'm here now. I've been abandoning you for years, but <laughs> voila, here I am." <laughs> That's uh, that's definitely not how, <laughs> how it went, wasn't right? being either. Um, it was, I mean, I, I changed, and and I think what what I realized is is that God was always there, um, and and willing to give me, um, everything that I was ready to receive, mm-hmm. and it just took a lot of layers for me, a lot of effort to pull back a lot of layers, um, until I was ready to receive this, th- this part of it. You had to be open to that relationship and that connection. And if there's shame there, then the shame is going to get get in the way of that. Always. Right? It always yeah. will. And, and I, I kind of, I think that the appropriate 
kind of um, representation of shame in this particular discussion is really the fog of shame. Like shame is like fog because you know there's some moments where you can see through fog and, and you can kind of get a glimpse of what's in, in, in ahead of you. And right. then oftentimes the fog can get really thick. Right. And, and can just cloud your 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 your, vi- your long-term vision of where you're going um, and, and really which kind of represents my connection with God so, so since we're talking about God we, we may as well talk about the Bible <laughs> and it starts right in the Bible uh, Adam and Eve right when they they you know eat the forbidden fruit first thing Satan says is is what what does Satan say you're naked hide and and, and basically what he's saying is disconnect from God uh, if if Hide. If if Satan yeah. can get be, get you to believe that somehow you're faulty or you're wrong, then he then you'll disconnect from God. And what Satan knows is God isn't going to disconnect from you. God's always there, um, but he can he can trick you to disconnect yourself from from God. Right. Yeah. I love this. So <laughs> I've never thought of it in relation to that, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. And it's weird. It's not weird, but it but it it makes a lot of sense to me personally. When you reference that experience of Adam and Eve in the garden, where Adam makes it about he he, he takes um, what is natural and godlike, which is the human body, and he shames that. Yeah, you're naked, so you're all of a sudden you're the, the private parts to your body are now bad in some way. Well, he and does. You're bad because he does two things. Those. You're you're naked, so your body. There's something wrong with. Being vul- body it's shame. something wrong with being vulnerable physically, who you are. Mm-hmm. The other thing he says is you're you're a sinner. You sinned, mm, so yeah. there's something wrong with you Isolate. internally. <laughs> Isolate, right? Oh, Hide, my. and and that's I mean this it, this is how addiction is created, is through the shame piece. Um, if, if I can, I, I want to kind of paint the picture here of what happens with this disconnection with God and how it how it creates addiction. Addiction is an attachment disorder. And so what happens is at a young age, um, we look to mom and dad to validate us, to support us, to create safety. And when we don't get that emotional connection, when we don't feel that safety, then we turn to other things to feel attachment, to feel connection. So you turn to To video. To attach to. You attach to that because that soothes you and it takes care of you. And so... As a child, you don't you don't comprehend what's going on. You're not thinking, "Oh, I'm I'm playing a ton of video games because mom and dad are emotionally unstable." You just start playing a ton of video games or looking at pornography or whatever it is. Well, as you go through life and you're you're shoulded on, um, you're told you shouldn't be a sex addict. You shouldn't be addicted to video games or drugs or whatever it is but you've already attached to those things to give you comfort, yeah. then it's just like Adam and Eve, right? Where you turn to yourself and you say, I'm bad, I'm unworthy, I'm not okay. And you start to isolate, you start to hide. And as much as you try to get attachment, um, healthy, as much as you try to get attachment from those things, it's not healthy attachment. And because you have so much shame, now you don't wanna to connect to God what you really need and what recovery really is, 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 is doing the opposite of that. It's turning your will, your will in your life over to the care of God. It's saying, you know what, I may be imperfect, 
but I need to turn to you, God, and just give it up and, and, and have you connect to me so that, I, so that I can live in the light, so that I don't live in the dark. And so you have to face your biggest fears and your shame and go get vulnerable with God in order to be healed in recovery. And how this, how this applies to your self-worth, I know I'm going off here a little bit. Preach. Yeah, preach. preach. How this applies to your self-worth is um, the messages of shame that you've been given. And, and, and think, for both of you, when, um, when betrayal happened, when the addiction started to take place, um, what kind of messages did you tell yourself about who you were? What were the shame messages? Not enough. Um, the worthiness was a huge one for both, I think. I'm no good. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. Um, I'm no good. I'm, I'm, and then that yeah. transition to, in a huge way, after continued failure, and just kind of like counting like each relapse as just this rock on my head and this pile was just reaching the heavens, I, I'm, I'm not enough. I'm never going to be able to measure up. Right. Okay. So, so you, then you start to believe that. And so the last thing oh, you're yeah. going to do is go get naked and, and, you know, put yourself in front of God. Yeah. So totally. you're going to disconnect, right? Mm -hmm. Now, but think about it. Um, and anything, I wouldn't just say from God, but anything else that is, that is, um, God like. And so I would say that even applies to in my relationship with Ashley. Like I, I, I would never want to look her in the eye. Right. right? Because so it was like, windows of heaven there's there were i mean ashlyn has always just been been virtuous in the way that she's lived and and that was like a little peak of heaven and i've often said this too and this is a bit of a tangent i'm sorry but but i have i've often said in recovery if i can look ashlyn in the eye with confidence i can i can stand without question in front of god okay i want to i want to table what you just said because it's, we'll a, it's an important up. topic that goes, goes along with this relationship with god mm -hmm. um but I want to come back to the self-worth for a second. Yeah. Um, in that, um, that there's nothing further from the truth than I'm not enough and I'm not okay. Yeah. So you think of like Lucy, your daughter Lucy, mm -hmm. right? Let's say she does something stupid. She sins. She messes up. Um, and she comes to you vulnerably and says, hey, mom, hey, dad, like I did this thing. Would you be like, okay, uh, we're going to notch down your self-worth on how much I love yeah. you now, right? Yeah. You're, you're laughing. Performance-based yeah. performance based love. You just, you just you went just down. Dropped. Conditional yeah, you just love, right? Clip yeah. down. Right. <laughs> because Lucy messed up. That, that's not how it goes, right? No, not even a little. You, you love her. You love her no matter what. And you're her parents and you care about her. So why do we do that with our relationship with God? Where, okay, I messed up. I made a mistake. That must mean God now loves me less. Okay, so I have an answer to this, and I'll answer just from my perspective, and I don't know what yours is going to be on this, Ashlyn, but, but my relationship with God very closely parallel, paralleled my relationship with my own dad. And I've, and I've watched so many guys who have struggled with addiction um, represent um, or, or share their, the nature of their relationship with their dad and how it paralleled so closely with God. Yes, so common. We view God the same way that we view our own father yeah. in so many ways. So if we have these imperfect fathers who wound us and, yeah. and maybe cause some trauma or some really good dads that still wound us a little bit, mm -hmm. and we think God is exactly like them. And the, the reality is, is God's love is very different than 
Indeed. than our father's love. But it's right? the only love that we know of in that father figure, right. mortal father figure role, right? Right, but then we start treating God and our relationship with God the same way that we treat our relationship with our father. Totally. Right? Totally. So, But our, our, our love to God is not conditional. And, and when we understand that we feel God's love, mm-hmm. then we understand our self-worth. We understand that in, in God's eyes, we're worth everything. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, if we screw up, if we make mistakes, if our spouse rejects us, if our spouse betrays us, if uh, we get a bad grade or get fired, God still loves us. If something bad happens in our life and we don't understand why, God still loves us. And he, if you know that, you, you become resilient to that shame. Uh, no matter, you don't interpret things in life that happen um, as as evidence that you're bad. Mm-hmm. Punishment. As, as punishment. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I would. I, my comment on that, Brandon, would be that all that makes perfect sense. And for for me, it has been a um, when you talk about this narrative, this belief of I'm not good enough, I'm unworthy. Okay, that that trumped any thought or any real spiritual experience that I had that said I was I was quote unquote good or there was hope quote unquote hope for me because there because the the narrative in my head was so loud that I wasn't good enough that it wasn't until I made really consistent effort to identify what my shame narrative was and and to become resilient to that really educate myself about shame educate myself about what guilt is and really work recovery um, that I was able to have a, com- um, a counterbalance of narrative that was, you know what, that doesn't, my action doesn't define me, but I, I'm, I'm more than what I did. But and and over, over a period of time, that's what began to change for me until I could empirically see and own um, positive daily behaviors. I mean, I guess that's what, I guess my journey is really just once I realized I'm a different person based upon empirically based upon my actions day to day, then I could own the fact that, that God had forgiven me. But it was still a journey beyond that of learning to own what how God sees me. But where is shame from? I mean, shame is uh, clearly from Satan, right? Yeah. To, to be sure, right? Um, but it, but it was so same discussion. I mean, it's the same discussion. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying for me personally, and and it might be very different for a lot of guys who are listening who who are addicts. But for me, the it was so loud the narrative. That I wasn't good enough. Do you know what I mean? But but here's the thing, Kobe. I, I for so long. I just so want to be clear that to find that relationship with God, mm-hmm. um, doing positive things helps you open up to positive things. Helps you open up to connection totally. to God. Totally. Um, but that's not where you find it. Um, find you don't earn your way to a relationship with God. God isn't saying, okay, you do A, B, and C, and then I'll show up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you totally f- agree with that. You find you find your relationship with God through surrender and letting go, and it, if you want a relationship with God, then forgive yourself. You forgive yourself, then you'll be open to a relationship with God. And to God, be sure, God will show up. To be sure, right? And, and and I'm not disagreeing. In fact, I agree with everything, and I can think of very specific instances when that happened, when I felt like I forgive myself, and I was, and and what that what that facilitated. After that moment was 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 huge. I right, mean, this true podcast. forgiveness of self, saying I, I accept what I've done. Yeah, um, I I'm okay with that. Uh-huh. Um, I've learned from that, and I can let that go. Mm-hmm. So God, I'm available now. I'm here. Right. Everything that has good, everything good that's happened to. Not, I mean, not good, but that happened to me in October of 2015 when I had that moment. I was in the kitchen and I was listening to my spiritual devotional, 
and 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 in a, in a again, you, you guys have probably heard this before, but I was listening to a talk, and this guy quoted Shakespeare, and I can't remember the name of the play, but I it was Othello. Huh? What was it? Othello, I believe. Okay, um, it was "Twas I, tis not I." This guy mm-hmm. said, this, this guy was standing there, this woman said, hey, aren't you the guy that tried to kill his brother? He's like, twas I, tis not I, because he had this, 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 Christ, this conversion to Christianity. And in that moment, I realized, wait, that guy back there who cheated on his wife twice and had an addiction to porn and, and hid it for 31 years? Right. That's not the same guy that I am now. And so um, I, I, my, my path to that, to that place literally was a matter of, of connecting dots. And yes, I can't drive my worth from from my doing my dailies every single day, showing up to therapy, right. you know what I mean? I understand that in principle. I'm just saying that's how it happened for me, and that's what opened the door to, wait, I, I forgive myself. And when I realized I had forgiven myself, then I realized, dude, God was ready to forgive me, <laughs> and he was there all along. Right. I had to be ready to receive that, and, um, and, and I am a huge believer that God meets us wherever we're at right. on this journey, right? He's more, he's more concerned about, um, about um, I don't know, or, uh, he's more concerned about where I am versus um, how far on the road, down the road I am. Yes. I, I just, I, um, I don't know. I had a guy I, in, I'm, th- I'm just connecting dots. I had a guy in my office uh, about a year ago, and mm-hmm. he, he was just sobbing in the, in the chair in my office it wasn't because I traumatized him or anything. <laughs> he was just—he was wallowing in his shame, and he was—he um, was saying, "I—I I have no reason. Uh, it's done. Uh, there's no reason why God should love me anymore. Yeah. And uh, you know why? I've—I've I've ruined everything. I've ruined my family. I've done this. I've done that. And—and um, and I said to him something that he didn't comprehend. But I said, you know what? Maybe." your addiction and everything that you've, you've gone through and everything you've done, maybe in some way that's God's way of loving you. Because maybe this is bringing you to your knees so that you can humble yourself to actually have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, he thought, what? Like, what? why would God bring How bad things into my that, life? Right? And, you know, but, but what I was trying to get at is the past is the past. Yeah. Accept it. And you are right where you're at. And you can actually... You, you know you're finding God when you find some gratitude. And, and if you can find that gratitude, you can say, okay, like m- maybe I can forgive myself and move forward. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a correlation, though, with the shame resilience that, I, that, that, that grew and my relationship with God. Like there was, there's a correlation, right? The more shame sure. resilient I became, the more I own God's love for me. And, um, and vice and, versa. In, indeed. Yeah. Indeed, right? Indeed. Yeah. And, and my life as an addict mode was perfect demonstration of, <laughs> of of that, right? How much distance I put, not God, but how much I put in between God. Because I, I know for sure he was there all along just waiting for me. Right. Just, just waiting for me. Somebody with a really solid relationship with God can be authentic. They'll be genuine. Somebody who doesn't know who they are, they're going to be fake. And somebody who has to prove their worth and get it from other people, they're going to be fake. Mm-hmm. So... Ashlyn, from from the betrayed's perspective, as, as you've gone through this experience, um, what's it been like for you in terms of your connection to God? How important has it been? Um, what have been the struggles? Um, well, uh, I thought I always had a good relationship with God. Mm-hmm. You know, prayer was easy for me, and church has always been in my life. 
Um, but when things started to really get hard, I kind of stepped away. And um, I guess I would look at, especially when things probably 2010, it was like just lumped, like lots of bad things were happening all at once. And that was kind of when it was like, wait, why are all these bad things happening to me? What am I doing that I have to learn all these lessons? And a mm -hmm. lot of them were the same lesson, right? So you're like, right. why am I not getting it? Because um, I wasn't doing anything. But like but this. were bad things <laughs> happening because God was punishing no, you? No, but that's what right. I. That's why I brought that up. Is um, I did believe like, what am I doing wrong that I'm being punished? Um, because I was kind of taught that through church, right. which is not what we teach in um, our church, but. You think if I do, if I follow the commandments and I do good things, then I then will be hard, rewarded, right? hard, difficult, bad things won't happen to you, right? And it's not right. That's um, total rubbish. It's called right. life. And yeah, so hard things happen to good th people and people, good people do bad things. It's just life. And um, I think as we began recovery, you know, that first year for me was a lot of self-discovery of who I am and that self-love and um, being able to realize not only had I, I used the atonement in a very different way than I'd ever used it before and what I thought it was meant for. And I realized God was cheering me on. God mm -hmm. was this cheerleader for both me and for Kobe. And I'd always looked at him as this, he's up here and I can't reach him because Even? he's too hes too big and too good for me. Right. Um, worthiness issues. W was was but, that <laughs> though in, while I was in addiction? No, I just said one year in recovery. Okay. Um, so... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, I lost it, but yeah. So um, I, I just want to point out a couple of things that you said, Ashlyn. Um, one is your connection to God. You, you, you made a shift and you shifted from all these bad things happening to me are, are not because of me. They just are. And I can accept what is. And when you got to that point with, with your acceptance, then you 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 weren't you weren't blaming yourself and you weren't creating that shame, right? Right, and God was no longer black and white. He never yeah. was, but right. I believed He was. I right. believed if I sinned, then it was step away, and He's going to, you know, dock me right. points or whatever. Right, and 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 this is just this is one of my beliefs is, I think it's own, we want to know God, we want to understand the nature of God, and so that we can connect with God, but I think one of the best ways to know God is to understand that we don't fully know God, um, that, that we want to explore that relationship. And um, Brené Brown, she says, faith minus vulnerability is not faith. And so if we're not, how, how do you practice faith without being vulnerable? Um, you, you have to, spirituality is inherently vulnerable and it, it's taking a risk. It's, it's not knowing the outcome of things. Um, but it's believing that God loves you anyways, right? And so um, if, if, if we can have the courage to practice faith in that way, then whatever happens and however God, whatever God brings to your life, whether it's a, a spouse who's addicted to sex or, um, or whatever it is, then you can practice faith and say, I give it to you, God, right? Um, uh, to me, the 12 steps, AA, 12 steps, um, I, I, lo I love the 12 steps, um, but step one, two, and three are what I'm all about. And um, step one is acceptance of what is. 
Um, I, won't, I won't quote the, the steps, uh, you know, <laughs> but step two is hope, and it's a belief that things can get better. And step three is faith. Step three is turning your will and your life over to the care of God. And if you get to that place, then your recovery is worked from this, this place of love, not from this place of shame. You know that God's blessing you through it and leading the way and carrying you through your recovery as opposed to up there judging you, right? So Totally. And the funny thing is you, you mentioned us as parents before. It's if you reality check yourself like that and say, I'm not that kind of parent. Then why why on earth would God well, why be is that God kind of that parent? way? Yeah. Right. But it's pretty normal, I think, to feel that way. Like right. he's so he's he's harsh. He's fear of God. All those things. But well, and I think if you come from a very rigid religion, you know, I'm not going to list off them, but I <laughs> I know a lot of what you know. And if you want to know what religions I'm talking about, look at the statistics on um, on pornography addiction and. Uh, there's certain religions where there's a lot of pornography addiction because there's a lot of shame. Um, but if, if you come from a very rigid religion, you learn that my, my worth is contingent upon something, um, that my value depends on what I do. And so if you believe that, then, then you get caught up in the shame storm, right? Yep. So can I shift gears just a little bit? Yeah. And I want to come back to what you, you mentioned earlier, Kobe. I don't know if you remember what it was, but um, here's another definition of codependency for you. It's when you make your spouse your God. It's when you worship your spouse. Now, is it a good thing to worship your spouse? Uh, what, is it, what does it look like? It means that you derive your worth from your, your partner or your spouse. And so when, when, when you need their validation in order to be okay as a person, mm -hmm. then you're, you're going to drain them and, and, you're, and they're not going to be able to give to you what you're actually looking for from them. And so um, things like being over compliant and not being honest because you want them to think that you're a good person or hiding and not sharing your full self because you're worried that they're not gonna think you're a good person. Ashlyn, he's two for two in describing <laughs> me. <laughs> um, before. Before, before, to yeah. be sure. Yeah. Um, is, is that is that a, a learn, I know that's, the codependency is a learned thing in, 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 a large, in, a, in a large way, but is it possible that, that I did that because I also did that with my mom? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, the, your, your parental relationships have, have taught you that, look, your, your worth comes from us validating you and telling you you're good enough or not, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's a beautiful thing with a healthy relationship where when each partner has a solid foundation of who they are mm -hmm. and a relationship with God, they can be honest with each other. They can hold space and be empathetic. Um, they, they can be individuals in the relationship and they can appreciate and love each other for their differences. Mm -hmm. um, that happens when each person is solid on their own two feet and they're solid on their own two feet when they have a solid relationship with, with God. Um, don't worship your spouse, worship God so you can love your spouse, right? It's really I have to say something kind of funny. When I was not dating Kobe, my best friend said, you gotta find someone that worships you. And I did. 
in the wrong way. Well, well, and, and that goes both ways because sometimes really if you funny. find somebody who worships you, it's like, yeah, this is awesome. They worship me. But after a while, it's codependency and it starts to break the relationship down. And right? it did. <laughs> yeah. And it totally did. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I think one of the ways that that looked like, when it, well, no, that was certainly me, but, but the comment that, you, that I made earlier that you wanted to circle back to, and, and maybe this wasn't part of it too, was, um, was for me what that transition from, um, from an unhealthy way of being codependent with Ashley and essentially worshiping her and just wanting compliance. And, and that was really what it was with my mom too. Like, to be sure, like what you just described was exactly it. It was like, what do I need to do to make sure that I don't get the wooden spoon Mm-hmm. Meaning compliance. What I need to make sure that that she doesn't she doesn't yell at me, um, and and that really was how it was with Ashlyn. But what it's what it's transitioned to now is is um, it's, it's something very very different. Where my worth is is I, I know comes. No yeah, it's no independent it, 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 of yeah. Ashlyn. Yeah, it's like I can stand tall and strong, and, knowing and exactly who I am, and be honest, and be vulnerable, and realize and be that you, yes, yeah, that I I can do those things, and I can be me, and independent I think that's really a good way to describe it right of where of, of Ashlyn right so Ashlyn is not your God she doesn't she doesn't give you all of your validation and worth mm-hmm. right um, sex is a way that sometimes we search for God um, you feel and this goes both for for the man or the woman but when you feel desired um, you feel powerful mm, totally. um, you feel you feel this sense of ecstasy and and not to say that God isn't present in the bedroom. I'm sure he is. I mm-hmm. know that's a weird thing to think about and say. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you, when you turn um, your, your spirituality sexual, what that means is you're deriving your worth from how you perform, what you experience, and what, you, what goes on there. And that's, that's a dangerous thing to do as well. So That's super interesting. Same thing. You, you can't love your spouse sexually. Um, if you're going to use her mm-hmm. to feel good enough, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it's interesting. My my relationship with God has has, has changed a lot. I've alluded to that earlier. Um, I, I used to, um, I, from when I was like in high school, um, clear up. I don't know how long ago. It's probably five or six years ago. Um, maybe it was close, maybe it was more recent than that. But I stopped. Like I used to pray morning and night. No by my bed. And and they were really real prayers. Right. It was like the same kind of a thing. Like all the time. Maybe with some with some variation. But um my relationship with it, with God is very different now in the sense that I, I think I can count on my thumbs and pinkies how many times in the last twelve months I've knelt by my bedside and, and, and prayed mm-hmm. to God. But what I found is is that that doesn't mean I'm not communicating with God. For for me, um for me, my communication really takes place in, in thoughts through the day about certain people about certain needs that I have, about expressing gratitude. And um, my, the way that I show up at church is really so different than how it used to be. And, and, and what I find myself doing at church is like, okay, God, look, it's like, I, I, need, I need church today. I need religion today. I need to feel connected to you. I need, I need spirituality today. And I need it in all three meetings. Like, so I'm praying for the people who are speaking. And I'm, and I'm saying prayers for, for the, the people who are teaching Sunday school and, and, and the like, because it's like, I gotta, ha- I, I gotta show up in the right way, but I also really need people to deliver to. 
because I need it for the week. So there, there's so many ways that my relationship has changed. And my ability to show up in a consistent way with God, as far as like my own spiritual devotional each morning, it's like I, I was never the I, – I, I just was never consistent at it. I think – Co- like my spiritual devotional, do you know what I mean? Coe, you're bringing up a really important point, I think, and and that's, you know, we're we're given the laundry list of of shoulds in terms of connection to God. You should go to church. You should pray. You should even pray on your knees, right? You should read scripture. You should. I could go, keep going. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the reality is, is our spirituality is individual, and um, it's between you and God. And yeah. so you might feel. God's presence when you when you just practice thinking a certain way throughout the day. Um, others might feel it when they listen to certain music or walk in nature or um, get you know get a smile from their their baby or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I I don't think we we need to shoot ourselves into certain um, behaviors into certain behaviors so that we feel like okay now God can connect to me. But if you know yourself and you know how God does connect to you, then you can be in tune to that and you can see it throughout your day and throughout your life. And, and God's right there always communicating to you. Who knows how, though? That's yeah. personal, right? Yeah. And I think this, I think that the thought that's, that's coming to my mind as you're talking about this, and, and Ashton, I want your comments on this too, is, is, is mindfulness. The one thing I was not as mindful, and I, nor was I present in, in, in my day-to-day, and that's the one thing that I've really tried so hard at, at being is, is mindful of emotions, mindful of executing my dailies, of my boundaries. And, and, and um, that's paid enormous dividends to be open to what the next project might be or a certain way to, to parent my children or, or a certain way to stop parenting my children mm-hmm. or a certain way of, of showing up for Ashlyn. Is, uh, there's, for me, there's been a lot of God found in being mindful and just, just being open. Right. Mindful yeah. of it. Ash, what, what's, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you have any comments on that, but. No, I would agree. Yeah. Same. God exists in the here and now, in the present, right? And, and I think if you can't connect to the present, then how are you going to connect to God? Right. If you're always worried about the future or not forgiving yourself in the, in the past, mm-hmm. then how are you going to make that connection? And there was a time when I was checking boxes. I was with God, That's like doing those things, but I wasn't present. And I do have regrets, like when I felt those promptings, like your husband's cheating, I wish I would have taken it to God because I know it was from God, Right. but I didn't. I took it to Kobe. <laughs> right, right. Got the wrong answer there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably totally. for a while, huh? Yeah. Right, yeah, and exactly. you know, it, it was like slow down right. and just ponder it. And right, and then trust trust what you, what you feel and yep. trust your gut and be in tune with that. You know, it's all about attunement to the here and now, and, and, and actually trusting those promptings and those feelings. How else is so. how else is um, or can you speak to how your relationship with with God has maybe evolved in in, in some way or, or ways um, in recovery? My um, God, my relationship with um, Christ has changed a lot. I would say as well, and you know, depending on what you believe in, um, that may be one. But for me, it's different. And um, I looked at him as, again, this higher power that I couldn't really just have this conversation with. And I would be taught, have, when you pray, you should be having a conversation and it should be comfortable. And it was more like I was reporting and then like, I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I did some EMDR with my therapist and um, had a, one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had. 
Mm-hmm. And and it really helped me to understand that Christ is, is really just here with me. Like he's really someone I can go to. Like I'm talking to my brother, I can talk to Christ. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't realize that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like how you bring up EMDR because I'm, I'm trained in EMDR and this isn't in, in the EMDR manuals or anything like that. But what I see is when somebody allows the, themselves to process and to go there and to let their brain just go there, God shows up a lot of times really? in EMDR. And, and I think that's why the research is saying that EMDR works. That's cool. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. What does EMDR stand for for those who don't um, know? Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And it's for so remember that. trauma work? And yeah, it's, it's for trauma work. And it seems a little hokey and weird. Totally. And yeah. <laughs> but it, but I love it. Dude, embrace uh, that like you embrace Oreos. I just honestly. told my therapist going into it, this is super weird and I'm really uncomfortable. And let the shame out. And, and then, then just we do went it. For it. And it's awesome. <laughs> Awesome, and I love it. Yeah, um, I so. think that really facilitates just what you talked about as far as EMDR. It's it's facilitated both that for me and Ashlyn, and I um I, I think it's it's also a, a place where a therapist like, I mean I, I'm a big believer that that as as therapists professionals, you guys really bring to the table probably a natural skill set. I mean if if you're really here for the right reasons and your and and your heart's in the right place, which I have no doubt to question that for people. But my point is, is a really like good therapist can really be moved upon, really be moved upon by the heavens, to to say the right things, to do the right things, to be intuitive, and really kind of be led. And it may not be people. like people probably worry when you say that they're going to bring in religion. No, it's no. just your light. And, 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 and yeah, it's it's attunement, and yeah. and I totally in, endorse what you're saying, Kobe. And my best tool is not my knowledge and my training. My best tool is my connection to God. And so when I work with people, I definitely want that connection so I can help them find truth. And, and that's what's the most therapeutic thing is to help other people find truth. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And that happens through God. So, mm. uh, I mean, I, I think the, um, I'll say this as well, and this is probably another subtopic, but um, I think one of the things, one of the ways that my relationship with God has changed is that empathy, I realized, is something that I lacked. But I also realize that empathy really is a, is a is a skill, but it's really a characteristic of God to be able to comfort and be there for me when I needed it yeah. the most. Oh, totally. And and it because it's a, it, it's something that you acquire that that you have to seek. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just I, I can't help but believe that that part of my recovery literally is is just acquiring the characteristics the qualities, the traits that, that God has. That's really, for me, that this whole idea of repentance, which is just riddled in in, in, uh, in Scripture, something I never could do. But I realize through recovery that God's willing to meet me where I'm at. And he's, he's as soon as I'm ready, he's He's right there. But um, he's led me down this path that has been really just, just acquiring traits and characteristics hmm. to be like God. You're like blowing my mind a little bit. Now I'm getting deeper in my thoughts. (laughs) Because really, isn't repentance God empathizing with us? Isn't the atonement about Christ holding it for us? He's been there. He gets it. Yeah, so if we let God empathize with us, we're repenting, right? Is that kind of what you're saying? And and the cool cool part about that is, and and this goes back to a a, a post that um, my buddy Lauren Shamard posted today. Um, He said... He talked about being uncomfortable, and he said, "Comfort is found by those who are willing to be uncomfortable." Yeah, yep. and that was just that was truth that really pierced my soul because 
because it's only through that uncomfortable doorway and the willingness right. to stand in what I think is going to kill me. And let God hold my, it for you. Right? Yep. And, and he, he, he shows up. Yep. And he, he shows up every time. And, man, I... I there's, this has been a really cool episode for me personally, just to just to really begin to connect dots about how many different ways my relationship with God has changed, but how many ways He has shown up for me, and vicariously. Because Ashlyn's funny, you referenced 2010. In that year, we lost um, six family members in 18 months, including Ashlyn's 24-year-old brother and my mom, who was 56. And it was just like boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom. Like 11 days later, after my mom died, my grandpa suddenly fell dead. And, and it was just like this continuous, we call it the Mitchell family exodus. But in truth, I'm a big believer that those people who, who have passed on are, are there to help us because everything about recovery was beyond me. And I have to believe that those people are angels from heaven to, to sustain and help me. I believe it too, Kobe, no question. Yep, I have a quote. Um, heaven is cheering you on today, tomorrow, and forever. That's awesome. It's from Jeffrey R. Holland, and yep. it's above our bed because it's the absolute truth. Well, here's my quote. Let go and let God. Right? So just let God take it. Totally. So. Yeah, and I have a quote. I'll just say <laughs> here, here. <Yeah>. To that. <laughs> All right. We good? Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Appreciate you being here. We'll see you.